Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Breakfast Pod. I am your host, Steve, aka Pixels for Breakfast, joined as always by the lovely Blue. How's it going? It's going well. More sleep this week than last week. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually feeling pretty rested, which is good. <laughs> it's a very rare occurrence. Oh, 2021. <laughs> 2021. This was, we'll get better, but uh, it's been a busy start. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Look at it this way. If you start at the lowest of lows, then there's nowhere to go but up, right? Dig up, stupid. (laughs) So, yeah, a little bit more news happened this week, and we're going to touch on a little bit of it, and we're going to start off with something that's just a little lighthearted, and Mm. it's the fact that Duncan Jones, who was the director of Moon, which is one of my favourite sci-fi films of recent times, Mm -hmm. uh, but he also directed Warcraft and Source Code, and he's also David Bowie's son. He wrote a full-length fan script to the 1995 classic adventure Full Throttle, uh, which was completely unexpected and absolutely awesome. And I've actually read through some of it, and I'm going to finish it because it's pretty damn good. Uh, oh, cool. But he announced this through um, his Twitter. He said, I enjoy writing. I also hate writing. Sometimes when I can't squeeze out the thing that I want to write, I write something else. This has happened a lot during COVID. Sometimes I just browse the web or tweet. And then one day I saw Tim of Legend post a link to this, which was actually a fan-made, like reimagined 3D version of the ending credits of Full Throttle. Mm. And it's super cool looking. And then he, Duncan Jones, continues to go on. It blew my mind. I loved that game. I mean, I really loved that game. So the next time I had one of those freezers, I started writing this, a fan script for the LucasArts classic Full Throttle. Enjoy. And he just released the whole... uh, script it's about 90 pages long i believe and um yeah it's just really good he does diverge from the the mainline story a little bit in some interesting ways and now i just really really wish like so really really wish yeah exactly and then i actually saw fans posting photos of uh camille ninjani i think that's how you say his name um he's from uh, silicon valley is where how most people would probably know him um He's really jacked right now. He got really buff for a, for a Marvel film. And they're like, he looks exactly like Ben. And they showed photos of him. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> let's let's go. Let's do this. So, yeah, I don't think anything will actually come from it. But, Probably you know. Not. But yeah. having said that, like, that's how Deadpool came around, right? Oh, really? I don't know the story of Deadpool. Well, not, not a fan script, but, like, Deadpool was a passion project mm. by Reynolds and his crew. Like yeah. they didn't they didn't get permission to go ahead and shoot that like thing. They did that and then they went to the people with the IP and went, Hey, this is what we can do. Do you yeah, want it? Right. And then they rallied enough fan support around it to do it. Like Deadpool definitely wasn't pitched by the studio. It was Reynolds had always wanted to do it. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I would absolutely love to see this sort of come out, even if it was a lower budget, you know, even a short version of it would be 100%. super great. Yeah. Um yeah. Totally. But yeah, like like we were talking off air, actually, in a world where there's not a lot of good stuff going on, it's just nice to see someone who has some clout and recognition be like, hey, I really enjoyed this game, so I want to contribute to its like fandom a little bit. And it's just like, yeah. that's cool. That's, that's a nice reminder that, you know, these people that people uh, put on pedestals and maybe look up to, like, they're people too. They're not just, they you know. <laughs> and, and nowadays, people on pedestals are people who have played video games, so. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I like it. Yeah. It's great. I, I want to take the opportunity because it was brought up. Warcraft movie is absolutely one of my favorite movies ever. But yeah. and don't don't let don't let people who like didn't quite get it like uh color your perception of it. Like 
yes, it is 100% a movie made for Warcraft fans. I, I, let me tell you, as a Warcraft fan, uh, I, I freaking love that movie. That was so fun. Um, yeah. And, you know, it got panned that year. It, it's one of the movies of that year that got absolutely just torn down. Um, yeah, I mean, having such a rabid fan base behind it doesn't help. Like, I think Duncan Jones is quite a thoughtful director. Like, Moon and Source Code have just, like, just incredible thought and, and planning and shots. And, like, yes, Moon does have Kevin Spacey in it. And you can either take that or leave that, uh, given yeah. the claims out there. But I still think yeah. it's a really fantastic movie. Sam Rockwell absolutely nails it. But the writing and just the way it's shot. And I think that... He tends to, he seems to do projects that he's passionate about, not just to get a paycheck. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and, and I think that really shows because the, the movies that, you know, he's known for aren't the like crazy big names out there. They have, I would like to hope they have critical acclaim. Don't yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think that probably, you know, like this is pure speculation, but considering who his father was, you would imagine that, you know, because he is a creative himself, he probably takes inspiration. Yeah from Bowie, who I believe is someone who did things because he believed in it and wanted to make yeah, it as opposed to the definitely payoff. Creative integrity feels like something that I would associate with David Bowie. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Company that I wouldn't associate creative integrity is Lucasfilm. But, uh, Less to do with Lucasfilm themselves, more to do with the owners. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. But the interesting thing that happened not long after the script came out was uh, Lucasfilm games brought its name back. So, Lucasfilm Games kind of went defunct about 10 or so years ago. Yonks ago. Yeah. The um, the licenses for the Star Wars games were sewn up with EA for a 10-year deal. And uh, kind of the rest of the properties were pretty much dead, except for the ones that Tim Schafer were able to resurrect through Sony's uh, help. But they brought the name back earlier this week uh, with a brand new logo, which kind of looks exactly like their old logo. And they did a bit of a mm -hmm. sizzle reel. This all coincided yep. with the end of that 10-year deal for uh, EA. Mm -hmm. uh, and then very soon after that, a surprise announcement came out that uh, Machine Games and Bethesda... Uh, now, Machine Games is the studio who had worked on those uh, Wolfenstein reboots, which were critically yep. acclaimed and pretty fantastic games. They are making an Indiana Jones game, uh, which completely, like, I was I not expecting field. it. I don't think yep. anyone was expecting it. And what a way to end the deal with EA to be like, yeah, Bethesda's involved now. And one of Bethesda's more interesting studios is involved mm. in making this game. There are no real details behind it, except that Todd Howard is the executive producer, which to me, and we spoke about this yesterday, Blue. <laughs> yeah. it does That makes me less interested, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's no information whether it's going to be a first person game. There's no information if it's going to be a third person, nothing like that. Uh, I'm going to throw it in there right now. Uh -huh. 2D sprite pixel art platformer. Oh, we can only imagine. We can only imagine. <laughs> oh, that'd because be, oh. <clears throat> no, no one knows anything at this point. It's going to be Indiana Jones D-Make. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, They just wanted a cheap, small budget game they could do before the next Wolfenstein. Because, you know, the, yeah, the, whole, yeah. the whole issue of Nazis right now is too hot. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I would imagine, like, if I'm going to throw a prediction out there, it's going to be a bit like Indiana Jones Infernal Machine. They're going to do, like, the, the Tomb Raider reboots. It's going to be a gritty third-person adventure game. That's where I would probably see it going. I, I, I suspect open, not open world, but, like, open area segments as yeah. well. 
Yeah. I foresee exploration, gathering clues, that kind of stuff, because Todd Howard's involved. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, a day after that, there is some fans and journalists who have uncovered a little bit about some of the things hidden in the trailer. So it's like literally like a 10 or 15 second teaser on Twitter. Um, yep. But some of the documents were were sort of um, translated and revealed, and it looks like Indy is heading to Rome, and it's October 21st, 1937, because there's a ticket, an airplane ticket there, and that would actually put it uh, not long after Raiders of the Lost Ark and just before, uh, a year before the events of The Last Crusade, which is an area of the Indiana Jones timeline that hasn't been explored, because that second movie, Temple of Doom, is actually a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark. A lot of people don't know mm-hmm. that. Um and it does look like he's heading there to see his father or he's getting some help from his father. The line that was translated was, thank you for taking your time to help me with his written request. I will be arriving in Rome. I have been informed that your contact will be waiting. Uh, and then there's people even speculating that, well, this is the year that Mussolini got close to Hitler and was given uh, the sword of Islam, which is the most, I'm quoting Leon Hurley here from Twitter. It's the most goddamn Indiana Jones sword I've ever seen. So... <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. I'm not familiar with the I'm not familiar with the franchise. Let's let's put it at that. Um, is this covered? So for anyone who doesn't know, Indiana Jones actually has an extensive universe outside of the movies. Yes, for sure. Stuff like that. Is this covered there? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. Most of okay. my Indiana Jones knowledge comes from the young Indiana Jones series um, yep. in terms of the extra narrative. And then most of the games take place after The Last Crusade, I yeah, believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, most yeah, of the games try I'm to- sure there is something out there because, you know, there have been comics, there have been, like, TV miniseries and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's really good. It's exciting. It was absolutely, like, I didn't think we'd see another Indiana Jones game. It's a franchise that I still really like. Um, yeah which is more than I can say for Star Wars. But speaking of Star Wars, uh, Lucasfilm Games also announced another Star Wars game that's coming from uh, Ubisoft, actually. So Massive Entertainment, who is a Ubisoft studio, they are the developers behind The Division. Uh, They are working on an open-world Star Wars game, and it will be using the Snowdrop engine that uh, Division 2 is running on which is a pretty mm-hmm. damn good engine, whether you like the game or not. It is a it is a pretty good playing game. Um, nothing else is really known except that it's going to be a open world game from those people. And I would imagine it is a game along those lines because that's what they've made before in the past. Um, this also brought up questions where Lucasfilm's uh, games were asked about the EA deal and what the go is there. And a blog post was released after that. Uh, saying, we are proud of our long-standing collaboration with Lucasfilm Games. Uh, I guess this is coming from EA, sorry. Which will continue for years to come. Our talented teams have created some of the most successful games in the history of the Star Wars franchise, including Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is a fantastic game, everyone. I absolutely love that. New update just came for next-gen consoles as well for that game. Star Wars Battlefront and Battlefront 2, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, and Star Wars Squadrons. We love Star Wars and we look forward to creating more exciting experiences for players to enjoy. So it sounds like EA hasn't been cut off completely. Uh, But it's interesting to see that property sort of flow out into other studios' hands. Like, Yeah. It's one of those properties that, like, everyone wants to touch. And, uh, like, I've definitely followed... I used to be a massive Star Wars fan as a kid. Like, definitely making up stories in the playground and wishing that I had Luke's Force powers more than anything in the world... 
I was obsessive to the worst level. And now in my adult life, like I really don't care about Star Wars at all, pretty much. But having said that, I played Jedi Fallen Order because I was like, oh, it's Respawn. I want to see what Respawn does with it. It's their first yep. non-first person game. And I really, really loved it. Way more than any of the new material that I've seen. Um, yep. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see other takes on it. I would like to get to the point where I don't wince when I hear a new Star Wars property being announced, game being announced. Uh, <laughs> I do feel like that's just a legacy of... They've been catering to a very specific market. Uh, I wince just because of all the fan backlash, by the way. I'm not super into Star Wars myself. Uh, but I'm sad when, you know, people around me are sad when their games aren't great. Um, so I was very happy to hear that Fallen Order was good. Like, just in general, just good. Um, so hopefully we'll get into this new era where, yeah, Star Wars can become a great game series. Because yeah, there's no reason there are definitely... Be, like, releases in that timeline that are really great but there are very many in between that are, all of the all yeah. of the big news ones are always bad yeah pretty in much the past 10 years under the ea guardianship other yeah. than fallen order fallen order was pushed quite hard and was actually a good one. yeah so hey look it's never too late to redeem a franchise name especially if you can get out of the rut that you're in Mm -hmm. Let's be honest here, EA will only ever produce the same kinds of games. Um, we're only ever going to get action-style games out of EA. And I do think there's more to Star Wars than just that. That's part of why it's cool, because it's a world. It's not a single trope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I think also just having diverse teams around uh, yeah. the franchise can bring out some interesting stories, I hope, because that's definitely yeah. been a problem in the past. I guess the problem going forward is that everything's now owned by Big Papa Disney, right? Yeah. Extent. Yeah, and that's so. sort of... We have seen how that has sort of, sh yeah. you know, permeated throughout the the movies and stuff. Like, there's been a lot of stories yeah. about particularly those last two films in the reboot mm -hmm. trilogy that just... Yeah, it, it seems like there's a lot of control there and it hasn't worked out for them. So maybe because it hasn't worked out so well that they're thinking about letting, you know, the, the reins I, loosen a little. I don't know how you can even finish that sentence. Like, it's Disney. That's not what they're known for. Yeah, I mean, also, I don't think Disney uh, is so connected to their games division anymore, right? So that's where I'm holding out for here. Definitely not for their... Oh, Star Wars side, yeah. I, I will say this. Uh, on the Marvel side of games, Disney's atrocious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, Marvel's they're definitely their most uh, valuable property. But I think because Star Wars has had that legacy in the gaming sphere and there have been developers working on it for you know decades at this point, I think it does have a little Maybe. leeway. But once again, mm -hmm. Disney sort of took over uh, and hasn't really been that involved. And maybe they're getting more involved now that they've launched Lucas. Like, we just don't know what the LucasArts games label is. Yeah, we don't know who, who that is. Yeah, Lucasfilm yeah. games. Yeah, Lucasfilm uh, games. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we just don't know. And that's. We'll have to see. Time will tell. Yeah. yeah. But it's something to pay attention to if you're interested in these franchises and these things coming back. Um, big deal. Big deal. Big, big deal. Tell you what else is a big deal for Australians listening. Now, sorry for non Australians uh, because this is a little bit of inside baseball, but. This is just so ridiculous that I absolutely wanted to bring it up. Uh, telcos like Optus and Telstra want companies to help, want gaming companies in particular to help cover the cost of the data being used on the internet. 
Yep. <laughs> so, uh, because COVID has happened, it's a lot more people have been getting into gaming because they're home a lot more often and the ISPs and telcos are, you know, getting bombarded with uh, data that gamers are using, particularly around uh, updates surrounding games like Call of Duty and Fortnite. When those updates drop, there's huge spikes in traffic. And yep. the CEO of Optus has spoken to the Australian Financial Review. The current situation is that a substantial portion of traffic, particularly at peak period, is actually over-the-top traffic. A lot of it is gaming traffic. The big spikes are when big gaming updates arrive for the likes of Fortnite, Siege, Grand Theft Auto. If we look forward to the future, we're going to see a growth in traffic as we see the proliferation of 8K augmented reality and virtual reality. And they're basically saying, hey, you might be using your service for online education, but you are subsidizing everyone who is a heavy gamer. Basically saying, well, yeah, you might not game, but you're also paying the price you do for internet uh, because there are a bunch of gamers out there who are sucking down all the data, which Mm -hmm. to me is just absolutely ridiculous because the price of internet in Australia is so exorbitant and so unreliable in connections and speeds and, and access that for them to then also say, hey, gamers should be paying more. And I'm not just saying this as someone is a gamer, like... It's one of those things that if the internet was reliable and I could get all the things that I needed when I needed, then I wouldn't actually mind paying the prices that are there now, but it's already so expensive. Yeah, yeah. I I immediately reacted uh, to this with like, oh, how dare they? And I had to like really sit down and pick apart why I had that initial reaction because the facts of what they're saying are not wrong. Yeah. Right? The cost to cover... This extra increase in in traffic and bandwidth all has to come from somewhere. That makes sense. Going to the people who who are causing this increase in traffic also makes sense. But it's very clear from the wording and the phrasing that this is done out of like this. This statement is said out of spite, like you know, like from a negative place because there's no care or thought put into this proposal. Because if there was, we wouldn't be getting something that says gaming companies should. Pay. We'd be getting something like, yeah, we need to sit down at the table with companies like Epic. Yeah. Right. Because this isn't this isn't something that you just throw at the industry. The industry is too. This doesn't make sense. Most of the industry doesn't account. Ninety nine point nine 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 recurring doesn't affect this. Yeah. 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 This exactly. is literally only the big people, and it's clear that they don't care where the money comes from. They don't care about creating a partnership because what they can do, what a lot of ISPs around the world do, is say something like, sign up with us and your traffic from X is free or reduced or yeah. whatever, Yeah. right? Like, that's a deal that Netflix has had with many ISPs around the world. I've never seen that advertised in Australia. Yeah, the only time I've seen that advertised is Internode used to get Xbox traffic for free. And then that Precisely. fell off, uh, I want to say, about five years ago. But yeah, it's like, the same these thing. Are, these are deals that ISPs make with specific companies that warrant large amounts of data all the time. And the fact that these companies, that the C- this CEO has come out and just said this without any of this kind... It, it's so clear that they didn't do any proper research into this. It's just a statement they made to make it look like oh, woe is us, we deserve more money. No, that, like, do your job. Yeah, also do, Optus, do your is, job. <laughs> Optus is one of the more expensive providers out there with data caps still on, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like, I don't know, like, uh, no sympathy, zero. Yeah. Um, this is part of what you signed up for when you, like, running this company. This yeah. is part of adapting to the market des- demands. Do your job. 
also like Australia just has lacks so much infrastructure for any sort of online yeah. business. Like it's yeah. not all just gamers. Like everyone's working from home mm-hmm. more. So like, what about design yeah. firms that are uploading like, you know, 20 gigabyte CAD files and all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty even, even education. Like even with the, the example they gave of education, you know, sure. You, your infrastructure handles zoom classrooms or whatever right but then there's also the pain of how teachers have to interact with the um online the the cloud services to get their material up and all of that and depending on what classes you're teaching that can be quite substantive and if that's not a quick turnaround that's annoying and tiresome yeah so australians once again the internet has failed you i don't think anything will come of this but i wanted to bring it up just because it's kind of ridiculous it is absurd. Yeah. Okay. And then we've got some stuff here about new releases and dates and all that sort of stuff that I'm just going to quickly sort of run through. So mm. Dead Cells has its second paid expansion, Fatal Falls. We talked about this a few episodes ago last year. Uh, it's going to get a release late January. I'm just looking for the actual release date. It's going to be launching on PC and console simultaneously on the 26th of January. It's going to be yep. $4.99 USD. So super cheap. And also Motion Twin has confirmed that the free Malaise update, which we also talked about, will be coming uh, sometime in February on consoles. Uh, It's already out on PC. Uh, Also came across a couple of interesting games that we're not going to talk too much about, but I'm just going to mention them here. So there is a game called Moondown. I'm going to say that's how you say it, Moondown. It's a hand-penciled tale of horror that's set in the Swiss Alps. It's going to be releasing on PC in March. And they kind of did a sort of behind the scenes, hey, have a look at this. Like everything's drawn by hand in pencil and it looks just kind of crazy. It's inspired by culture and folklore of the Swiss Alps. Uh, Mm. Sounds really cool. Sounds like something that I'm definitely going to check out. And it's uh, taking a sort of cause and effect fear system that disorients players when facing dangerous situations. So taking a lot of inspiration from games like Soma. And uh, yeah, I'm going to definitely check this out sometime on the stream. And also the Grim Dawn developers Crate, they're going to be releasing a new game. There's no trailer or anything for it, but they have released a Steam page and it's called Farthest Frontier. And it's an old timey city builder, which they claim has the most detailed farming system ever. Uh, You'd be choosing from a variety of crops with characteristics and configure crop rotations to maintain soil fertility, avoid heat and frost damage, and prevent the accumulation of diseases because your town will suffer from old-timey diseases. So you need to make sure that your villages have clean water to stop outbreaks of dysentery and and cholera. How fascinating. Yeah, it it kind of fits in with, I guess, some of the old-timey Victorian stuff that they were doing in Grim Dawn. Yeah. It sounds and like... I do mean that how fascinating in a half sarcastic way as well. Like, <laughs> like there's definitely a part of me that's like I don't understand games like Farming Simulator. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, definitely not something I'm interested in. It's more like Grim Dawn was pretty okay. Interesting direction. Yeah, it's yeah. fascinating in terms of the direction. Yeah. Like it would have been so easy for them to just make Grim Dawn two because that game is insanely popular. Uh, but to see them go a completely different direction is is kind of interesting. No, it doesn't make... Okay, so the reason it doesn't make... I know we were supposed to move on, but the reason it doesn't make sense to make Grim Dawn 2 is because Diablo 4 is on the horizon. Yeah, that's also true. That is also true. The question is how long is it on the horizon for? Yeah, but it's a looming threat over anyone who wants to make something in that in that space because that's what killed Torchlight, right? Yeah. So. Well, except that Torchlight 3 was real bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, okay, and we're going to kick on over to Blue's Trash Corner. 
What do you got for us, Blue? I have the update to the rest of AGDQ that ran last week. So obviously the podcast last week came out after it was over, but we recorded it way before then. But now we can report that if you haven't tuned in, um, AGDQ 2021 online was able to raise 2.76 million US dollars Damn. for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. That's awesome. That's a that's a good freaking number. Um, and you, there were some really really cool things that happened. Uh, for anyone who's familiar with Mario uh, ROM hacks, there was an SMB3 Super Mario Brothers 3. Um, hack of a game called uh, that was called Super Orb Brothers. This is a real. This is this is a Kaizo Mario for Kaizo players. It's a hard one. Uh, it's relatively recent. I think it's only a couple of months old. To the to the point where it was being played. I think like worldwide, only two or three players had completed it. Um, and we saw a, 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 a speed run of it um, by a player named Mitch Flowerpower. If you haven't heard of Mitch Flowerpower, this dude is amazing. He's actually been on uh, Stephen Colbert. I think he was on. And oh, really? um, he raced uh, one of the Super Mario Brothers while Stephen tried to um, make a hot pocket in the microwave. <laughs> like awesome. they raced that. And like it was close. It was so close. Uh, I think it was Super Mario Brothers 1. Uh, that's this, wild. This this man is an absolute legend. He's a beast at the game. Um, the pre so obviously not many people have um, you know even completed the game Super Orb Brothers, but the world record at the time of the run was uh, 36 minutes, and the time estimate was 40 minutes. Mitch Flower Power beat his run in 18 and a half minutes. He, he cut the world record in half. It's it's absolutely insane. He's just so good. Um, and here and, I am taking like thirty hours to finish a run of Spelunky. <laughs> okay, so here, here's the thing, right? You're you're seeing so like you don't know how much time he's spent practicing. You know, like yeah, exactly, totally. Like that's the kind of trade-off. Like these people's first runs on these games take them. I, I've heard of some um, ROM hack games that take people like hundreds of hours to complete first time. Just because of how hard the execution is, you know. So yeah, totally. Um, really, really cool stuff, and you get to see if you're interested in in ROM hacking. A lot of new stuff was actually introduced into the game. Like they introduced wall kicking, as in like you can jump up walls in the game now. <laughs> like you know, they introduced completely new code into the game. So like it looks like Mario Three, but it plays completely different. And if you're someone who's like who was around in that time and was interested in what that looks like. Super, super cool. This gives a very, like, shallow look into what this is. Um, yeah, highly advise people to go and check it out if that sounds interesting at all. Awesome. All right. And with that, we're going to actually run our first ever ad. So uh, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with what we've been playing. Elegant. Yet bold. Powerful. Yet smooth. Best in class safety and available 0.9 APR financing. What? are you waiting for? Blasphemous Waffle streams on Twitch three days a week at twitch.tv slash blasphemouswaffle. That's twitch.tv slash blasphemouswaffle. Blasphemous Waffle. Live, Live your, your dream. dream. All right, Blue, tell me, what have you been playing this week? Uh, this week I got the creative urge and went back to magic. Magic? Playing a lot of Magic the Gathering. Yeah, I, I go in and out of this. If anyone's listening and wants to play against stupid jank decks, hit me up. 
<laughs> I like I like jank decks in Magic the Gathering. They're fun. Yeah. It's it's interesting. So you're playing Magic Online? Magic yes, Arena? Yes, I'm Arena. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is getting a mobile version. The oh, beta nice. of it will launch with um the next set call time, which is late 20 something January. Mhm. Um uh, that's coming soon. Uh, good luck to the dev team. Magic Arena is not a game I would want to play on a mobile device, right. but I've seen some people on Twitter say that it plays fine. So who interesting, knows? man. I've been like itching to get back into a card game. Um, I've played a bit of like Legends of Runeterra, and I really mm. do like that game, but mm. no one I know wants to play it. And like the enjoyment for me is playing card games with people I know, not necessarily playing ranked all the time. Um, yeah, I avoid ranked. Yeah. I play ranked maybe like once a month just to get the like ranked rewards. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, whereas I prefer playing like... So this will mean nothing to you, Steve, but yeah. to anyone who cares. Uh, my favorite deck that I was playing like yesterday, uh, just against my friend, was one that focused on creatures dying and running Taza and Broodmoth and just uh, brought back and just bouncing creatures that died and getting value off of that, drawing a stupid amount of cards with Liliana Dreadhorde General on field. Uh, yeah, this I means absolutely nothing to you, I'm sure, but uh, super greedy, super jank stuff. I um, It's interesting because uh, I've fallen down a bit of a Android Netrunner hull again. Mm. Used to be my favorite physical card game, got cancelled. Um, I don't have my decks anymore because I, I moved and sold all my stuff. And uh, I found out after it got killed, actually, that there's like a community effort to keep it running and they've actually released new cards and sets and there's like a um, a board that chooses like which cards are in rotation for international tournaments and stuff. And even though it's not official, like all of the cards look super like as if they were official. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I should convince some people to jump into Jinteki because it's all free on there and just play online, especially now COVID's mm-hmm. around, right? Um mm-hmm. But yeah, like card games are good. I like card games. Card games are good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I could be convinced. We'll see. Ooh, ooh. So you've just been playing that and that's about it? Uh, standard stuff. Some more Hades, some more Minecraft. Uh, I'm supposed to be doing research for other things as well, but I haven't had time. Yes. But yes, n- yes. Nothing, nothing huge. Okay. Uh, brushing up on some uh, Heroes of Hammerwatch. Yes, because we're going to be playing Heroes of Hammerwatch tomorrow. We're recording this podcast early on Thursday. Uh, but we're going to be playing that on Twitch. It's been a while since I've played that game, but I really, really love it. Mm. I have been playing a little bit. Uh, one thing that I can't really talk about this week is Olia from Devolver Digital. Mm-hmm. What I will say is really like that game a lot, but we'll talk about that more in a few weeks. Uh, Phantom Brigade, which is uh, early access game. I think we spoke about that last week, actually. We did. Yeah, we did. So we won't go into that, but I finished up my Worth It video. It's with Valen in the editing bay at the moment. Uh, I've been playing Sheeran. Sheeran, ah. Mystery Dungeon, Wanderer, Dice, Dice of Fate, whatever it's called. It's got a really long what name. A, what a classic game. And I mean that in terms of, like, it was such a formative game when the first versions of this came out. That's yeah, not, not so many people know this about. came about from uh, your other podcast, your co-host, uh, Rowan, yeah, uh, he's like, you got to play this. It's like the Japanese roguelike. It's like the original Japanese yeah. roguelike. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna give it the official name is Shirin the Wanderer, the Tower of Dice. Is that sure. it? Tower right. of Fortune, uh, Fortune and the Dice 
of fate. Sorry, it was scrolling on my Switch screen. Um, so, so I'm playing it on my Switch at the moment. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I am not into Japanese games in general, but I'm playing a lot more of them now that I'm living in Japan, working with Japanese companies. So I don't know if it's that that is making me come around on this stuff. Um, but that game is like really cool and complex and it has 45 tutorials. And I'm not making that up. It actually might be even 49 tutorials. Yeah. Um, when, when when the number 49 number of tutorials is not a hyperbole, yeah. you know that you're in for a lot of learning before yeah. you get to play the game. Um, which I haven't done any of them yet. I've just gone straight into the first dungeon and I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see a lot of elements pulled from like classic Rogue, but then the sort of... It, it feels like the art is beautiful. Like, let's just get that out of the way. The yeah. art is absolutely amazing. It reminds me of like a link to the past, but super detailed. Like it just has that real yeah. classic 16 bit error, but with way more detail. Mm. Um, mm. I don't really understand any of the stats yet, but there's a lot of stats. It is turn-based. So like every time you move a square, like your enemies are moving as well, just like in rogue. And um, yeah. yeah, I don't really know what's going on just yet. Uh, there's someone in a village dying and I am going to the towers of the past of the present and the future, or maybe it's fate. Um, to stop the the big baddie and roll the dice um, of mm. life, apparently. I think that's where it's going. Um, I literally just got to the first tower, uh, but it's super cool. It's one of those things I've been really busy, so I'm sort of picking away at um, mm. in between other things. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think it's worth, if you want a classic Japanese roguelike, and I definitely suggest watching a review of the game or maybe yep. even a, a stream or a, or a youtube let's play because it is yeah, a very particular game like, yeah let's put it this way right if you got into roguelikes via what some people in the roguelike community call roguelites mm -hmm. so like things like hades things like rogue legacy rogue legacy kicked it off right yeah there's there's very little to no progression outside of a run yes so you you never get stronger you get better at the game it's yeah. all about you building your own internal knowledge of this situation. What do I do here? Yeah. And that's it. And that's off-putting for a lot of people because they like to see progression of, oh, I, I put in X amount of hours. I am now this much stronger. In Hades, you put in X amount of hours, you get enough darkness to upgrade yourself. You're like Zagreus himself. At yeah. The mirror. That's, Shirin doesn't get inherently stronger. You, the player, get better at controlling. Yeah, Shirin, that's, the, that's, that's the interesting um, differentiation for sure. And like that is... Part of a roguelike's appeal is that, hey, well, I've unlocked all these things. And as you said, like, I've boosted my health, I've boosted my mana, like, whatever the systems are. And mm -hmm. you are you don't necessarily, like, I think, like, you will get better, but you don't have to get very amazingly good at a roguelike to finish it most of the time. Yeah, uh, stats you, will carry you through. Yeah, you get the stats and you unlock the better items and you, your knowledge of the game definitely helps. But, like, you could be a pretty average player and eventually be able to finish Hades, right? If you're a yep. good player and you're learning along the way on how to deal with enemies and how certain things, then you're going to finish it a lot quicker and you're going to have probably a more fun time. Yep. Um, in this game, like if you're not willing to get better and learn, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, if you don't take the time to sit down after you die and go, what did I do wrong? Yeah. You're going to do the same thing again. Yeah. And, and it's going to end be... up the same way, deterministically. Yeah. And as you said, that would definitely turn a lot of people off. For me, yep. I, I want to have this game in the background that I'm just poking at for like a year yeah picking you it know, yeah it's not my sure. and it a bit like uh 
uh, Star Renegade that I talked about, it's not a game where I'm like, ooh, just one more run because like a run is like an undertaking, right? So it's like yeah. a thing I pick up, I have a run, um, mm-hmm. and because I'm playing on Switch, I can put it down when I'm doing other things and then, yeah. uh, you know, come back to it. And um, yeah, it's pretty good. It's 30 Australian dollars um, because I still got an Australian eShop account. Mm. But uh, apparently the PC version is not the greatest. So definitely do check Mm. the Steam reviews if you are going to go the PC route. Mm. Um, So that's, I've been playing a bit of that. Uh, I've been playing a bit more Hitman 2, getting ready for Hitman 3. Um, I'm getting so close now. Yeah, it is like so close next week. Can't wait. Um, and then just mentioning here, we launched a new podcast on the network yesterday. Uh, it's called the pixel bytes podcast. It is, uh, basically the pitch line is bite-sized reviews of your new favorite game. Uh, Seamus Mullins and I are basically doing short episodes targeted on a specific game that we've played, whether we would recommend it or not and why. Um, so I've been playing a few games for that, uh, which I'm not going to mention here because otherwise, why would you check out that podcast? Um, but yeah, so I, go check it out and go listen. Yeah, go 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 give it a listen. The first episode's a little bit rough, as all first episodes are, but it's all uphill from here. And then, uh, yeah, I actually haven't been playing a lot of games for review. I decided to take the week off. I needed the week off, a bit of mental space. Um, but I've got quite a few things coming up. So we have the Olia review. I have this other cyberpunk style game called Disjunction that's come in that I'm checking out. It's okay. do, been described cool. to me as a stealth game meets Hotline Miami in a cyberpunk mm. world. And I was like, yeah, okay, that sounds like a bit of fun. I'll check it out for sure. Sure. Um, so I'm going to be checking that out next as well. And then just a few other tidbits here and there. I do want to check out, have you played Monster Hunter Rise at All Blue? No, I know the demo was out. I actually avoided it like consciously. Oh, really? I'm just going to get it. <laughs> I'm just going to get it. I Demos are for people who, ha- who aren't decided or who like just can't wait to get into something. I'm just going to get games like that's that's the that's where i am in at in life i just wanted I just, to i just wanted to yeah. hunt with you mate but that's all right i understand i understand yeah but d- does progress save uh, i'm not sure i think it's just like it, showing it probably up the doesn't yeah i'm pretty sure it's just a demo nah 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 we'll, we'll hunt together when the game drops all right i'll buy it like I'm, I'm like, I know I'm going to buy it already. So I am, um, I'm trying not to spend money on games this year, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, Monster Hunter <laughs> is too, um, too alluring for me, I think. Oh, uh, I mean, if you're not, eh, maybe we'll have a discussion about this after. Yeah. It's, not, it's uh, the game that you would get, get the value it. for money worth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is a tight, tight podcast. Cause we actually haven't had that much going on. So um, Blue, do you want to give your other podcast a bit of a plug? Because I was actually talking to Rowan and it sounds like the next episode is going to be a banger. Absolutely. Um, the podcast, the next episode, the January episode is already out at the time of this podcast being released. It, uh, so the podcast name is Platforms and Pitfalls. This time we tackled Double Jumps in 3D. It's the like, proper name for it. But effectively what we're looking at is like, what kind of air movements do you have in the air? <laughs> What kind of things can you do in the air, movement related, uh, but in a 3D environment? We've already tackled this in a 2D space. That's a pre- previous episode that's already up. I don't remember what month of last year. Check that out if that sounds interesting. Um, we cover, ooh, I don't know if I can remember all five. Let's see. We cover <laughs> Jumping Flash, DMC5, Doom Eternal. Oh, dear. <laughs> I recorded this podcast a month ago now. Um, I don't remember the last two games. 
I'm sure they're very, very good games. Oh, Sonic, um, Sonic 06? Uh, oh, yeah, Sonic yeah, yeah, 06. I remember that. Sonic Adventure Battle. One of the good ones, the ones that people like with, um, yeah. And, um, I don't remember the last one. I really don't remember the last one anymore. So, they're, they're, they're super fun. They're super <laughs> Uh, look, five is a difficult number to count to. Okay, yeah, <laughs> like, I get you'd you. be surprised. Valve can't like, do when it. we, when we, <laughs> Valve is a few numbers short. In fact, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Doom Eternal. By the way, if you've never like just sat down and looked at how air movement is broken down in that game, oh, that's such a trip. That's such a trip. It's so cool. Uh, listen to the podcast. There's a there's a sequence where I spend like two minutes breaking down a 17 second clip of a doom eternal uh like play and it, it just goes to show what you can really do um with air movement in a first person shooter and i don't think many first person shooters really go the to the extent that doom eternal did yeah definitely not i just wish i liked Super the cool. game more gameplay is fucking awesome though like it feels good yeah <laughs> look that's that's a whole other podcast <laughs> <laughs> Off podcast, we need to talk. I need to tell you about how speedruns kill marauders. It's really smart. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's let's wrap it up there. Uh, you can go watch my videos over on youtube.com forward slash pixels of breakfast. We release roughly two videos a week, usually a review or critique and then a news wrap up uh, that this podcast is an extended version of. And uh, make sure you come over to Twitch. I stream three days a week normally uh, over on twitch.tv forward slash pixels for breakfast. Thanks again, Blue, as always. It was a pleasure. Ah, I love these every week. Highlights. Highlights of the week for sure. And thank you for listening, everyone. Make sure you go tell your friends. Give us a like wherever you're listening to this. And as always, don't forget to pixelate your breakfast.